0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our mission statement, awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ, which leads us, if we follow this mission, what will we look like? What does a disciple look like? If we are on mission together, what will we look like as disciples here at St. Luke's Last week, we talked about that we would live transformed lives of freedom, right? We are transformed through the waters of our baptism, from slavery to sin to salvation. We're transformed by the confession of our sins to a newness of life. And this week, we build on that concept, and you could probably guess, this week we are talking about a life of joy. Before we discuss joy, it's important to talk about rest, not the sleep number beauty kind of rest, but the rest that comes to you in both body and soul. This is a soul rest. The Bible has a very specific word for that. It's called Sabbath, and it's something that's so incredibly important that God gives us the third commandment, that we are to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So it's important to dig into this concept of rest, this Sabbath soul rest. We hear in our gospel that at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. I grew up in Southern Kansas and lived through a great number of wheat harvests, even working at the grain elevator for a few years. As somebody with a dust allergy, that was a bad idea. But you could walk through the, the fields at, at harvest time and you could just pluck the heads of grain off of their stalks. And if you rubbed them in your hands like this and then blew the chaff out, you'd be left with the grain. And if you were especially hungry, you could eat that grain and, and chew it. It was disgusting. <laughs> you know, there's a reason why we add salt. The bread but you could eat it and if you chewed it long enough it would mix with the saliva in your mouth and it would almost become like a, a gummy substance there was a misunderstanding about the sabbath that the pharisees had see the pharisees said that what the disciples were doing was not lawful to do on a sabbath now it wasn't so much so because my first thought was well they're walking through a stranger's field and they're stealing wheat but Jesus can't be committing sin so that can't be right and study in Deuteronomy led us to understand that travelers were permitted to eat grain through the fields that they were passing through so it's not the action that was a problem but the fact that they were doing it on a sabbath day see as the pharisees understood it this was an act of working on the sabbath Plucking the grain, that was reaping. Rubbing it to separate it from the husks, that was, that was uh, the reaping, excuse me, that was the threshing. And blowing the husk away, that was interpreted as winnowing. And for good measure, the preparation of a meal as they popped it into their mouth was also seen as a prohibited action on the Sabbath. Any food that was to be consumed on the Sabbath day was supposed to be prepared the day before. And Jesus, points out that the Sabbath was not given to us by God for us to do one more thing. Rather, the Sabbath was given to us as a gift because it fills a need that we were created to have, a need for rest. And that leads me to to wonder, where do we turn for our rest? Are are you restless, driven by your schedules, or or did you wake up tired this morning? Do you think that just having one more thing to do would put you over the edge? The past couple of weeks, it was very clear to me that there's not a lot of rest to be had during a hurricane. Watching the projected path for a week or ten days before a hurricane arrives, that's exhausting. Finding yourself somewhere in the realm of the cone of What's it called? Uncertainty. That's exhausting. Right? Experiencing that time within the hurricane is exhausting. When it finally gets here, you wonder what the damage will be. And when it leaves, it's the exhausting work of picking up and cleaning afterwards. leaves it exhausting and needing rest. I don't know about you, but I find myself when I go on a vacation after an extended period of time of working, it typically takes me three days until I start to rest. And it's usually at that point, at the three-day mark, that as the exhaustion starts to leave, that I find myself absolutely amazed at how tired I was. I didn't realize how exhausted I was. And I think the same is true for our souls, that we can build a soul weariness that we're not even aware of. And so I want to give you a way to measure that for yourself today, just to kind of take a stock as to to where you are, an inventory on where you are with your soul rest. How joyful are you? see, I believe that joy is the measurement of how much soul rest you have. If you have low joy, then your soul is probably tired. And so Jesus gives us this beautiful invitation this morning. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, awakened hearts enjoy a regular rhythm of rest. And Jesus is that only source of soul rest. We don't get soul rest by an escape through a movie or binging a television show. We don't get soul rest by endlessly scrolling through social media. We don't get soul rest by avoiding life through drugs or alcohol. We don't experience soul rest by isolating ourselves. Being the presence of Jesus is the only source of soul rest. And Jesus tells us how to do that. He says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, and for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This picture of a yoke, the, the big wooden piece that would, Tie two oxen together so that they could pull a heavy load together. The, the yoke would have to be carved just exactly to fit those oxen or else it would injure them. And, and the, the heavier the weight that they would pull, the more injury they would sustain. And Jesus says we are to be yoked with him. And he is the one who pulls with all his might and makes our burden light. Here's how we gain access to the rest that Jesus offers. Jesus says, take my yoke, learn from me. Learn what is important to me, Jesus says. Jesus says, learn who I am. Learn who you are in relationship to me. Learn of the salvation that I offer to you freely. Learn that I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And why are we to take this yoke upon ourselves? He gives us two reasons. He says, because I am gentle. This is the same word that we have in Matthew, speaking of the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek. And this is not a word for weakness, right? Jesus would never consider himself weak. He is is God incarnate. But there is this quiet strength that comes under God's control. That's what this this word gentle and meek means. That he demonstrates power without undue harshness. That Jesus responds to us with this gentle approach, not scolding us or punishing us when we fall short. But in our discovery of our sin, we are to remember that as sinners we are deserving of God's judgment and we come to him in in our, in our knees in repentance and we receive his gentle response of grace and forgiveness and then with joy we know that we've been received by our gentle God and have been granted his mercy and grace so we're going to take his yoke upon us because he is gentle and also he says because I am lowly in heart this concept of lowly in heart means that, that he is he is depending on God, that he is humble and lowly in spirit. To have our rabbi be lonely in heart means that that he depends on God's will and not his own, on the Father's will and not his own. And his Father's will, as we've studied before, is that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of faith. Christ has a lowly heart. In his humility, he came down from the riches of heaven to the incarnation, to walk in the dust of this world, even humbled himself to the cross, which is an interesting picture if you think about it. If we go from the yoke of Christ, this heavy wooden object that he bears the weight for us, and we think of that moment in time where God incarnate bore a heavy wooden object across his shoulders, walking up to the Mount Golgotha to be crucified for us. That yoke, that cross, he bore in our place. He experienced that weight, that weight of sin and death that we would never have to. And he says, for you, the burden is light. We can encounter all kinds of life difficulties with soul rest and joy to endure these difficulties. The enduring Hurricane Ian was a burden. Homes were lost, earthly treasures were ruined, homes were flooded, they were damaged by wind and debris, electricity was lost, drinking water was contaminated, there was all the days of prep and anxiety, all the days that followed with cleanup, not a lot of rest to be found there. But even in the storm, there was rest to be found in Christ. Even in the face of loss and destruction, Christ is present and offering rest, a soul rest. And when our hearts are awakened to the power of life in Christ, then we become passionate about following him. Life is now transformed from being a wearisome burden to something that is easy and light, even when life is hard and heavy. You see, when we are yoked to Christ, you can take up your work, you can pull hard through all sorts of endeavors in your life and not be weary and burdened by them. We're reminded that in our life of joy, we can rejoice even in our suffering because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance brings character and that character leads to hope, which never disappoints. See, rest, soul rest, fills us with joy. Now, it's important to talk about joy and happiness, right? Happiness is when all of our earthly senses are satiated and we feel euphoric. It's it's, it's joyful when all the feelings and sensations we have are positive and good. It's condition-based. What's going on around you makes you happy or sad. And that's not joy. You see, joy is this peaceful strength that exists within you because of what you believe. Not because of what's happening around you, which enables you to have joy even in the midst of suffering, that you can rejoice even in suffering. James says this, "'Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing.'" And in Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, somebody who is joyful doesn't necessarily have a silly smile plastered all over their face. Jesus encountered joy at the cross without smiling, but joy at the cross knowing that victory was here that you were saved, and that brings him joy. See, joy doesn't necessarily mean smiling. I was talking with my wife about this, Sarah, who struggles with rheumatoid arthritis, and it's something that brings her a, a lot of pain, especially when we lived in Michigan, and the cold, it was, it was crippling, but here in Florida, it's, it's, it's a lot better. But it's still pain as a part of her everyday life. Those of you with other chronic illnesses, you understand what that's like. And someone told her before, I think you're you're so brave and you're so strong. And she said, it's not strength. It's joy. I have faith that brings me rest, which brings me joy, which allows me to endure. Jesus offers that this joyful rest. I receive that every time I come into this room and worship with you all. And, and the incredible music that, that, that flows over our balcony from Eric, it just, it just, it soaks into my soul. It brings me into the presence of Christ. And the words of Scripture and, and the music just soaks into me and gives me rest this morning when i heard pastor sam speak the words of absolution that brings me soul rest in just moments as we are getting ready to receive the body and blood of jesus christ that brings me soul rest and you don't even need to be here on a on a sunday morning to encounter that but but monday through saturday you can experience soul rest every time you you open the pages of god's word every time you have a conversation of faith with a fellow believer, or you share your faith with an unbeliever, wherever two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of them, offering rest, a joyful rest. We can indeed rejoice, even in our sufferings, as we develop perseverance and character and hope. See, Jesus is not calling us to a life of careless ease, But a service for which we will be glad. A delight, not painful drudgery, but a life of joy.